You have been sucked in to the Create Unknown, in which you'll hear us detail our deficiencies, our inadequacies, and our general suckitude. We talk a lot about solutions for creatives and entrepreneurs, and now it's time to talk about our problems. There are a lot of them, and some of them are big, because we suck. And if you'd like to support this suck, head on over to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown and suck along with us. 100% of contributions go right back into the show and TCU community. So we suck just a little bit less each week. The link's in the description. Kevin sucks more than I do. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Matt, tell me something. So I had something that I was going to tell you and decided at the last minute that it was just too hot for TCU. Ooh. I had to pull it. Yeah, couldn't couldn't happen. Um, so I replaced it because you and I were talking about metal shows. Uh, you used to go to a lot of metal shows. Is that right? Yeah, there was a period of, of my life in my younger days where I was living in Portland, Oregon with a buddy of mine. We were both really into heavy metal, and uh, there was literally a place within walking distance. With, within a four-minute walk down the block, we could go see metal bands for like 10 bucks, probably twice a week. So, yeah, ended up ended up going to a lot of shows and um, uh, finding some of my favorite bands. You know, just by going to a show, not even knowing who any of these bands were. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, they were awesome. So, yeah, as a result, I can't hear too well anymore. <laughs> and what do you do at a metal show? Because the last live show I went to was on Kenny Rogers farewell tour. And everybody in the crowd sat there with their hands on their lap, very politely listening to Kenny do his thing. And then they got up and left in an orderly fashion when the show was over. <laughs> yeah. Is that how a metal show works? Uh, yeah, it's exactly how it works. Um, well, you know, it actually really depends on the venue. Okay. So I don't know how okay. in the weeds on this you want to get, but there are kind of like three ish places you can go see, well, maybe four places you can go see a metal show. One is an outdoor kind of pavilion kind of thing where they'll have like festivals. Okay. Um, in my experience, those are not great places to go because like listening to music outdoors is usually pretty bad. The, the sound just goes all over the place and it just sounds like garbage, you know, playing a show outside. I don't like outdoor shows. Then you have like arenas. So your headline giant acts like tool will play in a sports arena. And again, those places are huge. The band is usually far away unless you're paying a, a billion dollars for seats. And there's no like pit or anything like that. Then you have these smaller venues. The place in Portland we would go to all the time is called Hawthorne Theater. There's another place called Roseland Ballroom. And uh, those usually have a balcony. So you have you have three options in those. Those are the best places to see shows, okay? Or in like these sort of venues that always have metal bands playing them. They're small, they're pretty smelly, they're dark. <laughs> and here are your three options. One, there's there's often a balcony, so you can usually go up to the balcony and just watch the show a la Kenny Rogers. Two, you can get there super early and get to the front 
that usually that always has a barrier like a gate and you're safe against the gate you'll get you'll get smushed by people behind you but you're right there uh as close to the ban as possible and then three is just being in kind of like the general admission pit where people are just pretty much beating each other up and usually not in like a super dangerous way but sometimes i've seen a lot of blood and broken noses and stuff like that from time to time you have fallen into my trap kevin lieber of vsauce too because that's exactly <laughs> the thing that i'm going to tell you is us talking about the metal shows which you didn't go into any of the stuff about venues or what happens at a show we were exclusively talking about hearing and sound um so this is you know, we didn't prep this, but that's exactly what I want to say is uh, it reminded me of a thing in Bolivia called Tinku. Have you ever heard of this? No. <laughs> Tinku, it, it, this is timely because uh, it's in the first few weeks of, of May, I think. Tinku, Tinku is a festival that starts out as dancing to music and then it turns in to a gigantic free for all brawl. What? This is, yeah, this is a centuries old festival, like goes back to conquistador days. Um, and it gets dangerous. I mean, it's a beating the hell out of each other thing in the end. Um, the same thing happens uh, in a province in Peru, where that's more of like an airing of grievances, where it's this weird mix of what you described at a metal show mixed with a mindset of like a purge movie. It's like, this is your, imagine if Festivus was a physical fight and you just, uh, instead of airing your grievances, you just like thumped somebody until you were okay with whatever the issue was. Uh, but Tinku sounds kind of nuts. People have died at Tinku because the fighting's gotten out of hand. Uh, there's some really good articles online. The LA times did one like 20 years ago, almost. Um, so if you Google T-I-N-K-U, you're going to have a good rabbit hole to go down. Um, that's, that's amazing. And, and I, I've always wondered about, I mean, the, the culture around like heavy metal shows, I think from an outside perspective, does seem very mm -hmm. kind of barbaric, I, I guess you would say, and kind of violent and aggressive in, in a bad way. But I always found it the opposite. Like, sure, you're going to have some bad actors there every now and then. But for the most yeah. part, people are going there to let off steam in a way that I think is actually really healthy. And maybe mm -hmm. this Tinko thing is that's the point of it is to really just get out aggression in a way that hopefully, yeah, some along the way, some things are going to go extra bad. But for the most part, you know, maybe it is it is a necessary thing. I got to tell you this part before we move on. I'm, I'm going to read you this tiny little passage because I just popped up, you know, a link that I could send to people or something like that. During the brawl itself, men will often carry rocks in their hands to have greater force in their punches, or they'll just throw them at opponents. Sometimes in the town of Macha and Potosi, where the brawl gets the most violent, men will wrap strips of cloth with shards of glass stuck to them around their fists to cause greater damage. Slingshots and whips are also used, though not as much as hand-to-hand -hand combat. The last day of the fight, this is multiple days, Kevin, is considered the most violent, and police almost always have to separate the mass of bloody men and women. Wow. How's this for a metal show? 
That's cr- no, that that's not normal. That's not normal at all. That's like dis- disfigurement and <laughs> and death. <laughs> that's a little crazy to yeah. A little. What I'm trying to suggest suit. is that the creator the the create unknown community holds a Tinku festival every year, and we we sort out our grievances. Um, we have some survivors, some some not survivors. Uh, we air it out. We see what happens. And I think we start with everybody in the Discord, everybody in the Patreon. We'll lose a few patrons because of this. <laughs> they can't be patrons when they've been bloodied to death. But I think it's a price that this podcast needs to pay. Yeah. A little bit Battle Royale, a little bit yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the patrons because before we get into the theme of this episode, which is how you and I actually completely suck and we're, we're horrible. How we suck. Full of deficiencies in so many areas of life, yes. personally and professionally. Many. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do just want to take this time to thank again all of our patrons for literally allowing the show to continue. We so, so greatly appreciate every single one of you and all of our listeners as well, but especially the patrons because, you know, without them... You, you freeloaders would have nothing to listen to, let's face it. Yes, yes. And poor, uh, poor Marcus and Ben would be, yeah, I mean, there are words I don't want to use to describe what, what being forced to produce labor like that under the threat of, of Tinku um, <laughs> really is. So, no, it's nice that, that we can do the things for the community that we want to do, and, and that is absolutely thanks to the patrons for that. So, with that said, let's talk about us being garbage. Because I think Us that... being garbage? I thought it was supposed to be you being garbage. Oh, just me? Okay. <laughs> so this is an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprise, Kevin. <laughs> You've been lured into two horrible pits today. Yeah, you're good. all of a sudden you're going to bust out like a three-page letter that you wrote. <laughs> it's going to be like in a I failed you. like an old cartoon where they pull up the scroll and it, it like falls down for fifty feet. Yes. That's my list of how Kevin sucks. Just unravels <laughs> the proclamation. Yeah, everybody in the baby gang got together in the infantry, the entire Discord, to put together this this intervention for me. <laughs> Well, you mentioned how we suck, though, but it's a very serious topic because we talk a lot about what we know, what we've learned over, I don't know, like 40 combined years of this stuff and all the people we know and solutions to a lot of problems. We generally have a pretty good idea of how to do things and how to fix things. And that's cool. But but we never really talk about the problems we have and the things that we suck at and need help with. And I think it's really important that we pretty much openly talk about flaws, deficiencies, uh, all those negative words, because that's just reality. Like everybody sucks at a lot of things. Yeah. And it's really hard to, I think it's hard for people to admit the things that they're bad at, but gosh, like how can you possibly get help on the things that you're bad at or figure out how to work with other people who complement your deficiencies mm-hmm. and complement the areas in which you uh, lack the skills or just the temperament. I mean, th- this can go in so many different directions. You know, I think we each have three 
personally. I stopped uh, at three. I, I, I could have gone say, to like we 53. Could, yeah, we could have probably had a lot more than three because I'm looking at my list of three and thinking, well, I didn't even mention that. So um, perhaps. And we made our own lists, by the way. So like Kevin made the list of the things that Kevin thinks Kevin is bad at. I made the list of things that I think I'm bad at. So it's not like we we ripped each other on this. Um, but I, I will say before we go into it, you mentioned uh, you mentioned that it's hard to admit certain things. It's it's hard to see as well. Yeah. And one thing that's been nice with us is that there's always, you know, when you work with somebody or three people or 10 people, uh, that's an opportunity to find out the things that you're not good at. And when you only work alone, it's really easy to never, ever realize that you're not that good at something or maybe you're really bad at it and make a problem, you know? So, um, we've talked over and over. I mean, we've talked a lot about doing things that complement the other person. And, uh, at a, at a certain point you get into a groove where you identify those problems internally, you get a little self-awareness and just everything works more smoothly, but we should, we should detail we should detail these. How do you want to do it? One and one? Or do we want to have a Kevin sucks session and then another Kevin sucks session? <laughs> and then we run out of time and can't have the Matt sucks session? I know, it'll be a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do one and one. I'll do one and you do one. Okay. But, but I, yeah, I do good. want to say that you bring up a really good point about needing to kind of calibrate your own strengths and weaknesses against those of others. And you have to be in an environment that allows you to do so. And if you're just at home or in your apartment by yourself, working on your own stuff all the time, how can you possibly do that? I mean, I know that we've talked in the past about college, right? About how expensive it is, yeah. how it's probably not a great idea to put yourself in $200,000 worth of debt <laughs> for no reason. Hundreds a lot, yes. <laughs> um, that's a house. But at the same time, like if you are able to go to a junior college or a community college or take some sort of classes that put you in a situation with strangers. That that was, to me, one of the greatest things that I was able to take from going to college was when I went to my first college at Drexel University, I understood really quickly how bad I was at computer science and engineering and just kind of like that side of the sciences because I'm in a hallway where every single person is like a genius engineer or a genius computer scientist or, or budding, you know, buddings of those two professions. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like they are way, way above me to the point where I need to, I need to leave. Like I, I, I'm, I, I literally don't even belong here. And I left. <laughs> yeah you know yeah, you're right though you have to put you have to put yourself out in this in any kind of situation to find out what the strengths and the weaknesses are both of them you don't know how good you are i mean the, the converse to everything we're talking about is that you can be amazing at something and never know it because you work alone there's no way for it to rise to the top or show itself in any way when you're working alone so it's not just a negative thing but anybody who has ever lived with somebody for the first time dude that's when you find out how annoying you are 
when <laughs> there's somebody else for the first time in your life who isn't your parents or your brother or your sister or something, or your roommate who's like mandated by school to, to put up with you, um, that's when you find out what some strengths and weaknesses are when there's somebody you know, telling you that you're <laughs> that this thing is really annoying or that thing is like socially unacceptable. Um, it's kind of the same when, when you work with people on creative stuff too, but either way, you've got to get out and do something to even find out about any of this stuff. So what's, what's num what's number one? What's the first on your list? What's the first thing I can fist pump over Kevin sucking at? Uh, the first thing I wrote down was, was just, technical side and technical side is a big umbrella topic that includes anything from uh, production to mm -hmm. post-production stuff so when it comes to like setting up lights or dealing with cameras or editing in photoshop or premiere i am bare bones competent at that stuff if anything is mildly wrong in that process like if i have a, a tiny camera thing i don't understand i call jake because jake knows oh, yeah. so much stuff about cameras and i know so little about cameras even after all these years it's just not something that i'm competent in same thing with photoshop like i can just barely drag myself along <laughs> the photoshop floor to make an image that looks okay but anything with like the remote hint of advanced technique or even i think like moderate technique is above my pay grade you know what i mean so a lot of this stuff i kind of skirt by on when it comes to the technical side of almost anything like i can't think of one thing that i'm like excellent at when it comes to technical stuff and does that seem to bring about frustration like what are the implications of that number one you said you said straight away that you've got to rely on somebody else who is at that level to to help you get through a thing like calling jake on a camera thing uh camera issue um what what are the other implications of having that middle ground technical knowledge where you know enough to know how to do pretty much everything? I mean, you you really do. There hasn't been a thing that's come up with Vsauce stuff or the podcast where you just like throw your hands up and say, <laughs> I have no idea. You always have uh, at least that middle ground of knowledge. But what's it what's it feel like not to go beyond that? It is it is frustrating. It does it does cause me to rely on other people or always, you know, having to ask for help and then I have to hope that they respond and do so in a timely manner and if they don't then I have to wait or all of a sudden I have to like Google things and for whatever reason I don't know, I've just never gotten I feel like a, a perpetual freshman 101 at so much of this stuff. It's like I finished my my fresh my intro to cameras class. I finished my intro to Photoshop class. I know how to get around it enough to do a couple of things, but beyond that, like I'm in over my head. And I see so many people online now who have come up with this stuff, who are like born into this world of editing videos and uploading to yeah. YouTube. And it's just ingrained in them from such a young age. I got into this so late 
that, and I'm not using that as an excuse. It's not like a, you can't teach an old dog new tricks sort of thing. I don't know if I would have been any better having earlier experience, but suffice it to say, there are a lot of people who are way, 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 way newer to all of this stuff who are actually way better than me at a lot of this stuff, flat mm -hmm. out. I can see how it would be really frustrating to troubleshoot, for example, and not know how to fix a problem when it comes up. You can't plan for that, right? Something something happens and you've got to deal with it. That stinks. Uh, but do you think that this has made you plan better uh, for the things that you can plan out because you know that you're going to need some guidance on, on different things? Like, can you get ahead of that limited knowledge is what I'm saying? Well, I think with any creative endeavor, part of the fun, I think, is overcoming challenges and obstacles and clearing hurdles and that sort of thing. So one really clear example of how this manifests is, is how I do things physically in Vsauce 2 videos. I don't know how to animate. I don't know how to do cool VFX. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't possibly. And to pay somebody to do that stuff for me is incredibly, incredibly expensive. So I don't have the money to like hire a full-time animator and I don't have the technical ability to do it myself. So I use props. I, yeah. I, I just will physically use props and physically do things in my videos because I can. It's easy to just find action figures and like draw things on my whiteboard table rather than learning after effects, which I, I don't know how to use. It's definitely driven the creativity on a lot of on a lot of your videos is figuring out what can you do that's unique within within the confines of uh of budget of space of skill all of that stuff so it, it comes to a, a unique end and that's cool uh, i wonder how it's crazy to think about how things would be different how videos would be different if you could just snap your fingers and sit down and pound out an animation yeah i don't know i mean but the the fact that the that people like um Captain Disillusion, for instance, can do that sort of stuff is like wizardry yeah. to me. It, it amazes me. And that's why I love watching videos like that, because I don't know how to do that stuff. And it's it's very magical <laughs> to me because it just seems honestly like wizardry. So that's my that was the first thing I thought of on my list of what I am not good at. And that's kind of the technical side of all of this stuff. Well, thank you for your confessional. You're welcome. Um, that's that's a good start. Mine is more conceptual, my first one. And it's that I have a tendency to think too big on virtually everything. So my instant thought when it, when a thing comes up is what can this be down the line? How big can it get? Uh, what do you have to do to get there? I'll give you a specific example of how this plays out. My brother is a financial advisor, and he wanted to send a, kind of a weekly little message, little video message to his clients about a specific topic, um, you know, related to investment or just whatever it is, a five minute little thing that's that's once a week. Uh, so it's really a little thing. Instantly, I'm talking to him about 
you know, what's your budget? Because for this amount, you could set up this very uh, streamlined system so that everybody at your firm in each of their practice areas could be doing one of these once a week. And then all of a sudden your company has a constant everyday thing where they're putting out content that's valuable to their clients Monday through Friday, one each. And, and I'm blowing it up. He, He wants to sit down and you know, do like a fireside chat for five minutes, hit the stop button, upload it and have it be useful. And I'm immediately thinking like this content factory across uh, investments, tax strategies, like seven different uh, verticals, you know, turning it into uh, Huffington Post, uh, this, you know, small uh, financial firm. Um that's good and it's bad. It's a lot like what what you just said, where you have limitations. That's bad in the sense that you can't sit down and pound out an animation. It's good in the sense that it makes you work with with people who are better than you. You know, you can get a camera strategy from Jake, and it's probably going to be better than your DIY solution. That stuff is both a weakness and a strength, and so is thinking really big. You know, and I. Uh, over time, I've come to realize, though, that it can be very overwhelming when somebody has an idea or wants something done to get smacked with, like, the master plan for how to how to execute this on, like, fantastic fashion. Um, it's, it's a really weird thing because you need to do it so that you have a sense of what the next steps are if you want to scale anything, but you also need to avoid it so that you start in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. You can get into so much planning and analysis that you never begin the thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many ideas I've had that I never executed beyond that level because I got wrapped up in the big plan of it. Uh, it's It's been a tremendous burden to think on a grand scale. Only now, which is really about 20 years into the general career on all of this stuff, Am I beginning to sort out the parts that are strengths and the parts that I need to avoid? Only now is it becoming clear how to think in a healthy way on a really large scale. Um, A big part of that has been YouTube. You know, I, I, I did some seminars and things like that for smaller creators. I talked to a bunch who are small and getting not small, which is cool to see, but Talking with them has really shown what that balance needs to be. So I'm getting better. This this number one weakness of uh, of fantastical thinking. I'm getting a hold of it. It's becoming harnessed and, and workable. But God, I just think of how many things I ruined and I murdered. It's you know it's like that. Uh, what was it? The Abominable Snowman cartoon where he, he squeezes the little uh, bugs bunny calls him george you know the, the yeah thing, or like well that's lenny just, and of mice and men petting the rabbit mice to and death men. yeah it's like looney tunes of of mice and men yeah yeah how many times have i murdered a tiny good sweet cute little thing in that fashion it's horrible to think about how many things i've killed because i lenny petted them until their neck broke oh my god yeah it's funny how how grotesque that that analogy is but also how fitting it is it is it's like i love this so much i'm going to pet you and hold you and squeeze you forever and then it just smushes in your hand and you have yeah 
you have nothing left. Because I was trying to think of some sort of historical analogy, you know, like like Rome or something never conquering a single province because they got too wrapped up in conquering all of Europe or, or whatever. I don't know, something a little more along the historical lines of like nation building. Yeah. There are a bunch of those with really expansive empires where uh, like uh, uh, Genghis Khan is an example of that, just ravaging this massive, massive territory and not having the people or the kind of infrastructure to maintain it as an empire and to rule over that thing that you've obliterated. It's kind of the same thing. Um, th- yeah, there, there are definitely historical examples like that, but you've got to find that balance of like, what's the max that I can do and still the max that I can actually, uh, you know, actually administer uh, or, or, you know, what can I do on a project? So, yeah, it's been a tremendous asset at certain points. It's been a tremendous failure and burden at others. So so before we move on, because I'm, I'm interested to know how you think about it now, how do you decide, like, I am going to consciously avoid worrying about turning this thing into an empire and I'm just going to be okay with doing the little thing now and seeing how it plays out? It's being very realistic about the people I'm talking to, what their comfort level is, what their skills are, what the resources are, being really honest about what that is, and the same for myself. So uh, thinking about, you know, we, we talked a couple episodes ago, I'm into nuts lately. I like nuts. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about nut Clip farming, nut processing, <laughs> nut harvesting. Yeah. So I think a lot about nuts, but... <laughs> the, the... <laughs> yeah sorry so, <laughs> so the reality though is that whatever i do there is going to have to be something that fits in to the amount of time i have and the amount of money i have to do it that, that's it i've got to snap back to reality on those things and uh i, I can't think about a 10 acre nut, nut farm when that's not my full-time job you know so it's just being super honest about what I can do in a way that reigns in whatever that big idea is. So it's a slow process. I'm getting better, but, uh, Oh, Oh, it sucks. It's, I wish I I had no motivation and no ambition ever sometimes. Yeah. I was going to say, that's exactly what it is. Just too ambitious for your own good. Um, all right, I'm going to move on to my number two. And this is something that we've talked about. A whole bunch did a whole episode on, and that is networking. I am pretty bad yeah. at networking. I am pretty bad at socializing. <laughs> this isn't I- true. That's 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 an overstatement. You're not bad at it. People really enjoy enjoy you in all fashions, um, and I, which I've seen many times with my own eyes. So it's not that. It's not that you're bad at it. You may not like it. Uh, I think I am bad at it though. I mean, I guess Do when you? I, when I'm in, when I am in a situation, I, I guess we'll parse out kind of like two important elements of this. Okay. Okay. Yep. So one is being actually in a social dynamic, like locked in and talking to people. I'm good at that. Like, I don't have a problem talking to people. I can chit chat people and listen, pretty good listener. 
um, and pretty good at relating to, to people. And I like doing that. I like people. I like talking to them, finding out what they're into and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's the point of this podcast is like talking to, you know, YouTubers for the most part and finding out what they're all about. I do like that. I'm fascinated with that. I guess the other element of it is just putting myself in those situations and not avoiding it altogether. And okay. I fall into that all the time of just avoiding social situations. So mm. for instance, when we went to Vienna for yep. the TEDx talk, there were all kinds kinds of social events that were set up for that, that I did not go to. Oh, right. I, I just skipped yeah. out on all of them because of, I guess, just social anxiety. And I didn't want to tire myself. Like I get really exhausted in those situations. Yeah. And I didn't want to tire myself out going to some like cheese tour or whatever, like with the other participants. Like I don't, I never do any of that stuff. I didn't do any of that <laughs> stuff when we went to Tokyo for the world Congress. It's like, sign up for this and we're going to go to this place. And it's oh, yeah. like, right. no, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I guess it's just a combination of feeling like it's an extra th burden that I have to do that. I have to think about, Oh, now I have to figure out, how to get to this place on time and I'm going to have to talk and meet with people. And like, I get yeah. wrapped up in my head about how overwhelming that situation is. And I don't know if this sounds like crazy, but this is what I go through when it comes to stuff like that. Like mentally. It's a real force. It's a real force. And it has a kind of a ripple effect. For example, with an event like that, that's a great example because you know that when you skip out on a thing, that's time you're not meeting new people, you're not doing whatever. So there's an actual consequence to it. It's not just uh, I'm, I feel exhausted by it or it gives me anxiety. No, there's a real thing that happens because of that decision. So, um, yeah, that it's it's totally a real force. What is or are there any uh, not fixes to it, but what what can you do to mitigate that or what do you do? I don't like, know. Can you get the same result in a different way? Can you, like, what have you done? Not much. I mean, I guess if something is scheduled for me, <laughs> I always go to it. Like, I don't skip out on things. I don't avoid yeah. things or skip out things. And I'm not late to things that I'm expected yeah. to be at, right? You do honor all obligations and yeah. you're always there like 15 minutes before you need to be every single time. I've seen this for like 10 years now. Yes. Where people are like fawning all over you when you show up because you're the only one who's made their job easy. That is accurate. Yeah. I'm always yeah. on time. and, and Always. And yep. Nobody else you're ready to roll. is. Yeah, I'm always there. I'm always on time when I'm expected to be. I don't flake on people. I don't ghost people. I don't do that. So that helps. And that's like a notch in the in the pros category. Yeah. The cons category is that other stuff, which is like the extracurricular social element. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what I'm really bad at. And, and it is an opportunity cost. It is a very real thing to lose out on because – I personally feel like those are probably the more important things to do almost when it comes to networking is to be like the fun person to hang out with. And I feel like I'm not the fun person to hang out with. That's that. That's all. Well, I, I will say again that 
people really do enjoy you in all those situations. I've never, I, I would be honest and tell you if <laughs> like, Hey man, you made that one awkward <laughs> you know, or like that went really badly. Didn't it? Um, I, 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 <laughs> I truly have, have never seen that including a couple times when there was every reason for it to be awkward because the other person was weird. I've seen a few of those. And even in that situation, uh, it goes well and uh, they leave, you know, feeling pretty good about the interaction. So um, it's not as grim as it probably feels, but you're right about the opportunity cost there that, that, you know, you just miss out on some things and you gain some others. You can make up for it here and there. Um, that's a good one though. Yeah. What What's your number two? It's my turn for number two. I, I feel like a piece of number two for this. Um, I, do not always realize that the things that I'm into are not something that somebody else is interested in. This is a major struggle for me, and it's a it's a broad thing that almost gets to empathy, but not quite. So a specific example of this is what comes up constantly when we work on a Vsauce 2 video, where... I go back to that one example from the legend of Zorba about the old computer where I had like 600 amazing words describing uh, what happened with Infocom making the video game Zork text-based adventure game Zork. The story of Infocom is fascinating and strange and weird starting with them sitting at a table and deciding that they wanted to have a computer company they decided on the name Infocom and then thought, like, what are we actually going to do? They named their company before they knew what the company was even going to do. They wanted a name that sounded like an impressive, like, tech thing in the late 70s. Um, it's really cool. Well, guess how many people are interested in what I just told you? Seven? Like, 14 worldwide? Not many people at all. And... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's such a bizarre niche and i do that with a lot of things um it might be nut farming you know i would love to have a conversation right now about the genovese basil that mora and i just set to dehydrate we've been growing this basil for months and now it's time it was the harvest before this uh recording and it's going to be delectable. The Thai basil will be the next harvest. The flowers are set aside because they can be dried and put into tea bags to brew Thai basil tea. Um, I do not always realize that nobody wants to have a conversation about Thai basil for an hour. Uh, there's a social element to that, but in, in conversations, there are all these visual cues that tell you somebody doesn't care. You know, I can see somebody get bored. I can see somebody check their phone. It's really easy. When it comes to work, though, it's extremely hard because you have no feedback of any kind on how what you're doing is going to be received. This has been perverted in an interesting way by you. You've led me down the path of perversion. What? By <laughs> by working with uh, somebody who's very different and who gives you that feedback, you can rely on them to figure it out for you. You can rely on the differences with somebody else 
uh, to identify the things that are boring, the things that stink, uh, all of that. It's a tremendous asset, but it also can make you lazy about thinking about the audience, thinking about the intended recipient of anything. So that's another balance that I've had to work very hard to strike is how much can I use somebody else's feedback and expertise without letting that sense atrophy for me. So I have to pull out what's amazing to me. I love this kind of stuff. I literally posted on Twitter because everybody's talking about Animal Crossing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the price of turnips or something. I don't fully understand this meme because I don't play the game. But everybody's talking turnip prices. Um, I love root vegetables, okay? In real life. Not video game turnips. (laughs) I like real life turnips. So I tweeted, like, everybody's talking Animal Crossing turnips. If you want to have a good conversation about turnips and rutabagas, hit me up. Boromir, thank you, Boromir. You actually hit me up, and we had a very good root vegetable farming conversation on Discord for like half an hour. It was awesome. Uh, there are very few Boromirs in the world to have that rutabaga conversation. <laughs> find, find yourself a Boromir is the, is the gist. It's telling that out of 5,500 Twitter followers, only one wanted to talk about root vegetables. Uh, and that's, you know, that's something that I have to force myself to think about is what are other people thinking? Uh, do they care? Uh, can somebody else help me with that? And then when they do, can I still try to do it myself without fully relying on them to tell me what's interesting and what's not? So, yeah, I've gone down a lot of wasted paths and a lot of rabbit holes that nobody cares about. I've, I've wasted untold amounts of my time and my money on just throwing it into the void over the years. Just Th- awful. Throwing it into your brain void. I mean, that's why when we are working on a topic, you will just flat out say, what do you find interesting here? Like you will just present me with a thing that you've been obsessing over for two weeks yep. and you'll, and, and without any prompt or you don't give me guidance on what it is you like about it. You'll just say, look at this. What stands out to you? What pops for you? I lead with that now. I don't know if you've noticed that now every time we talk about a topic and we decide, yeah, this is something that you should make a video about. The first thing I do is be like, here's the crash course on the topic. What stands out to you that's interesting? And then I use that basic framework as a guide and, and research, you know, offshoots of it. But if I asked myself what was interesting... I would have a wildly successful YouTube channel for Boromir and like four other people in the world. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, five people would care about my Infocom documentary. I know. I just wish there was a term for, for what it is that you have. Like whatever your like <laughs> mental like my mental problem is, that that makes you so obsessive of things like root vegetables. Like what is that? But it's not just root vegetables. It's not like okay, like for instance, I had a cousin, um, or I have a cousin who when he was very, very, very little, was obsessed with garbage trucks and garbage. I don't know why. Yeah. It was just a phase that he went through. I also knew a kid when I was younger who was obsessed with dinosaurs and would just act like a dinosaur. <laughs> and that was like a little phase that he went through. And that was like one thing that this that these people like honed in on. But you hone in on everything. Like I can't think of 
almost anything that you will not hone. What do you not hone in on? Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's not much that I, that I pass by. If, if there's a topic, it's probably worth taking pretty deep. Like, so for example, I, I drink a lot of water and juice and stuff during the day, probably a gallon and a half a day. And I reuse uh, Gatorade bottles, Powerade bottles. I'll refill them with, you know, drink mixes and stuff like that. Well, they're plastic, so they're recyclable. And you know the uh, uh, little recycling symbol on the bottom of a bottle? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a number inside it. You know, there's yeah. notation around that symbol. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, I used to know what that indicated. Um, I forgot. So then I spent like an hour reading about notation on recycling so that I would never pick up a bottle or can again and not know what the number four meant. Which is what? Um, it's the type of plastic, right? And like where you can recycle it or something? Yeah, it indicates, yeah, it indicates a bunch. Um, and it's it's neat with some things that are historical, you know, that kind of thing can tell you when something was made and where it was made and all sorts of information. Um, you know, Gibson guitars, by the way, are very they have a, a neat system in their serial numbers that tells you a shocking amount of information about the production of that in instrument. Uh, the date and the number of instrument that day that it was, it's, I find that really cool. Um, but I'll pull at a thread like that probably longer and harder than, than is healthy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. All right. Yeah. Um, I will. This I will, is your last suckage. I will hit you with my last suckage. My number three is self-promotion. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm not really great at self-promotion. Like, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm not like huge into my my ego or like stroking myself. Like, I will tweet when I have a new thing out, or I'll tweet like a joke. I, I, I'm more into self-deprecation than self promotion and i don't think that is necessarily always a good mix especially with the type of content that i do on vsauce 2 as compared to the type of content that i do like for instance on my personal twitter or even really on my instagram i prefer to kind of make fun of myself and the world and words and like i like to play with that stuff in a way that is, I, I don't know, I think comes across often as um, cynical, I guess. Cynical, sarcastic, kind uh -huh. of kind of jaded. Um, but that's just my sensibility and what I like and, what, and how I kind of entertain myself a lot of the time. But Vsauce 2 is kind of the opposite of that, right? Like it, it really is about amazement and celebration and like the exploration of positivity and ideas and wonderment. And then meanwhile, like when I'm not working on that, I like to almost do the polar opposite of that. And I think that there's a conflict there with fans that makes it seem, I don't know, uh, weird. It's weird, I guess, for, for to be fans of both. Maybe. I don't know. It's an interesting kind of conundrum because you want to have confidence in, in something, but you don't want to spam anybody, whether it's actually spamming them on a social media site or just overloading them with that thing. And I think it's pretty healthy to think uh, how much is too much. 
but I talk to a lot of YouTubers who who are of a similar mindset as you on it, where it's like, I want to do my thing and I want to put it out there and that's cool, but I don't want to force feed it. I really don't want to market my thing in a way that looks like I'm marketing my thing. And there's that, that's really nice in some ways. In others, it means you're not marketing your thing. Yeah. It, that's just the, the raw reality of it. And we've talked about it in terms of specific sites. Uh, I know a long time ago, Gary V did a thing on his podcast where he talked about the amount of content a company should be putting out on its social media each day. And he's like, oh, everybody should have five Instagram posts and five Facebook posts. It, it amounted to like 35 messages on different platforms a day. And it sounds insane. You know, you look at that and just think, who wants to hear from Kevin Lieber 35 times in one day? Right. I don't. And I literally get paid to do it. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the reality is that a person is probably only seeing one or two of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, just the viewing patterns and the, the way different sites serve the content. Nobody's actually seeing 35. And if they do, it's because they really want to. They mm-hmm. like you that much. They're fans that are strong enough to just need and want that content. So it's this odd balance. Um, yeah, you don't want to be spammy, but the pe- there are some people who want to be spammed, and that's a really healthy thing. And and the and you're right though away about the way that some of these algorithms work now. Where I posted a video on Facebook on Friday, and somebody popped into the comments saying they they hadn't thought I made a video in two years in two not not a single video in two years I'm like oh my gosh that's can me. confirm you've done nothing since 2017 it's yeah, all a lie I've done nothing so I I literally linked him just to the Vsauce 2 videos page where you can see all of the videos right there and he, he replied right away and was just kind of like oh my gosh where have I been and the answer is, well, you've been on the internet uh, assuredly this entire time, but whatever it is you've been looking at, you know, Vsauce 2 hasn't been served to you in, a, in apparently two years, which is crazy. Even for subscribers, every single video you've put out since I've been doing anything with you gets a handful of comments that say something like, great to see this guy uploading again. You know, I like they haven't seen you. They're subs. And just what you've done has not popped on their feeds at all. They really legitimately think it's your first video in a year or two or three. Now, there have been comments recently where it was clear that the last time somebody saw your thing, Obama was president. It's nuts. (laughs) Right. But that's the reality of, of, the way some of the social media works. And that's important to remember when you're thinking about overmarketing yourself, like, no, legitimately you got to do a lot and you got to push yourself because the chances that everybody's seeing it are pretty much nil. Um, that's, that's really a huge point of self-awareness that I think, uh, everybody in a creative capacity needs. You recognize it and you do things to get out in front of it. Like, that's that's fantastic. Virtually nobody I know does that. Well, I, I hope that more people do because, yeah, it it the way that all this stuff works now, you kind of have to be everywhere all the time. And if you're not, people who really want to 
see your stuff, just don't think you exist anymore. So yeah, I mean, I'm not great at self-promotion. I wish I were better and hopefully I can be better. The Facebook page is going to start popping. Um, that's definitely something this year that is happening. The return of the Vsauce 2 Facebook page. For those of you boomers still on Facebook, you will see me <laughs> tell, again. Tell your grandparents. Tell your grandparents that v, uh, Vsauce Facebook is about to pop. Yes. Uh, so my last one is really short, uh, which is good. Then we can go into baby gang questions. Um, it's short because y- you've already revealed it. My third one is obsession. Oh. Uh, that is, yeah, yeah. We we started to get there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take a topic of some kind and uh, I, I deal with that thing in my off time and I mean, to a a freakish degree sometimes, you know, and an example to go back to not farming. um, I realized that since we've all had to stay inside and all that, and I started to think about hazelnuts in particular, because I'd like to be uh, the Baron of Filbert. Um, That's my name. Wait, what? Filbert's Filbert's and hazelnuts, same thing. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. But I want a title that has to be of Filbert. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, I'll think about what, what would sound, you know, sound the best. And, and we talked about it, uh, here and I, I think Mo wanted to be the Duchess of Filbert. That sounds like a real thing. Yeah. The only Filbert I know is the turtle from Rocco's modern life. So like (laughs) you're the Baron of like a nervous cartoon turtle. Okay. (laughs) You know, I, during the day I'm thinking about something that's either business or math then there's the time that goes into the podcast, you know, and talking to everybody, which, by the way, I really value uh, the Discord and Twitter and stuff like that because I I have to talk about whatever everybody else is. You know, it snaps me out of whatever I'm thinking constantly about. But then I'm real tired, and for about six weeks, I've gone to bed, and I lay there and think about not farming until I fall asleep. Every night. Every night, it's not farming. Um the amount of time that goes into that, it's an opportunity cost issue. Uh, you know how many languages I could speak at this point <laughs> if I didn't do this? <laughs> like, I only speak English. I can kind of read Latin. I can do like a tiny, tiny little bit of Hebrew. I'm useless on languages. But I I, I would be like a walking tower of Babel uh, if... I did not waste my life thinking about things like not farming every night. Um, in terms of work stuff, it when we've talked about how a topic goes down a whole bunch of rabbit holes, and that's what makes it interesting. So when you have a tendency to obsess over things, you can stay down the, ra- the rabbit hole way too long. Mm-hmm. You can go way too deep on something that ultimately doesn't matter or isn't that interesting? Or you could write a thousand words about something that really should be 25. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to, ha- it's almost like a hyperactive, hyperactive thing that you're constantly holding back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has to happen or else you would just bounce around like a pinball all day long and never get anything useful done. So it's another double-edged sword on obsession that makes some things really good. And 
Um, I enjoy a lot of very normal things that, that other people don't precisely because there's an in-depth knowledge of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now when we talked about merch stuff, uh, when we talked about, you know, like the construction of t-shirts, this was like a year ago about going through all the different garment types and dye types and the, the price implications and whatever, like that is a, a natural fit for my DNA, that type of topic, because it healthily and purposefully lets me go crazy about something. Mm-hmm. Um, those types of fits don't happen very often. Most of the time, it's just me going crazy about something. About legumes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's weird because I, will go off on some topic into strange detail and, you know, Mo will sit there and look at me like I'm an idiot at a certain point (laughs) because it has gone on too long. You know, it's kind of a culmination of some of the other problems that I mentioned where I'm not thinking back to number two of what's the other person interested in and what they're not. Um, In a way, obsession leads to the grand visions that are too big. You know, all of this stuff kind of feeds in one another. Your your uh, problems. Um, what was the the first one again? Oh, oh, the oh, they, technical they, side. Yeah, they totally feed into one another. My like thirty thousand foot problem is just being in my head too much, and not being in, yeah like reality too much. Like I'm like ninety percent in my head in my own head, ten percent like on this planet. And there are so many ways in which that's a good thing. And there are so many ways in which that's a bad thing. Your number two and three sound like very different things. Networking and social stuff eh, uh, versus um, how did you word the third one? Oh, marketing stuff, basically. Self-promotion. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what number two is, (laughs) you know, in, in a large way whether you're talking to tell people something or you're listening it's all you know it all comes together but all of these things are kind of related and i think it's like that for most people where there's this common thread that runs through the challenges that they have and you don't know necessarily know what that is um for me it's it's a hyperactive obsession that goes in all three of the directions I I outlined. Well, I didn't fully realize that until we really started to work together. Um, You said at the beginning, it's, you got to do stuff and work with people so you can start to figure these things out. Um, I I would truly encourage everybody, whether they're creative or not, uh, because all of this stuff applies to personal relationships and everything, you know, it's all the same. Um, to do a little inventory of what are a couple things I suck at and do I see a pattern here? Yeah. And the thing is, is that the, those things are so subconscious that the only way to do anything about them has to be conscious. You have to be conscious of the things you're subconsciously doing in order to do anything about it. Because if you're not conscious of it, you're just going to keep doing it forever and ever. It'll never get better. You'll make the same mistakes and um, that's just kind of how this stuff works. So anyway, I hope that people got a nice little insight. It was it was kind of cathartic to talk about the things Wasn't we nice. suck at rather than just focusing on like, oh, 
Like, here are some great tips for everyone. It's like, well, here's a great tip. Be conscious of the things that you suck at. And if you aren't, then maybe you need to spend more time interacting with other people to give yourself some sort of reference and some sort yeah. of feedback mechanism so you can kind of recalibrate your your weaknesses and turn and hopefully minimize their impact so that you can maximize your strengths. If you're on YouTube hearing this, leave a comment about like the, at least the number one thing that you suck at. Because I'm interested in what other people have a hard time with. If you're on Twitter, shoot uh, shoot us a, a tweet about what you suck at. Um, say it in the Discord. Whatever method you've got to tell us about your fatal flaws, uh, it, it just would be really interesting. And it was great with people talking about what they were doing during the quarantine. Um, you know, Brickzar had a really good comment uh uh, on that on that episode and it, it's been really interesting to get that kind of feedback uh, and see see the different ways that people handle something or different diagnoses they have for themselves on something like this it's awesome so definitely shoot that through yeah and let's get to some of your baby gang infantry patreon questions so the first question comes from james uh, who wants to know kevin would you rather for the rest of time be followed around by a trail of three noisy ducks or a small rain cloud that rains on you? You cannot ditch the ducks. They are indestructible. The rain cloud also follows you everywhere and rains on you, which I have to assume means while you're going to the bathroom as well. Indoors? I, okay. I have to assume that. Based on what uh, James outlined here, uh, I think this is happening everywhere. All right. Because if it was just outdoors, I would say the rain easily because rain doesn't really bother me all that much. But if it's indoors, gosh, being constantly, I'm trying to think if I could fashion some sort of uh, like umbrella. Remember those umbrella hats you would see? Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. just wear an umbrella hat everywhere. Um, you know, maybe I'd be able to adapt some sort of cool like suit where it wasn't bothering me but the ducks would bother everyone all that's the time. what i was thinking too because they would yeah. hear the ducks so i'm gonna go with the rain cloud the rain cloud would absolutely be only your problem for the most part it would be your problem yeah unless you're getting ducks. close with somebody then they would also get rained get, upon getting but. close getting close kevly get, getting close yeah like hugging your mom that, like, hugging your mom is that what yeah. getting close is? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting close. <laughs> getting close. <laughs> when you, when you're courting the woman folk, <laughs> courting wh whomever folk, uh, just getting close. I think that's enough. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have well, to right be. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a a, a lewd act. <laughs> it, it could just be polite. So, Subscribe to Kevin's OnlyFans for more getting close content. <laughs> Good Lord. Three noisy ducks would be everybody else's problem all the time, though. I think yeah. you, you've nailed the distinction on that. Yeah. Um, Monsieur Chinchilla has a question that is kind of operational Vsauce. Oh. Uh, it's about, yeah, it has, has Ding become Diet Vsauce 1? I know it's not uh, your channel, but... That's an interesting transition that that a lot of people have asked about. Yeah, I think 
Diet Vsauce One is a really interesting way to put it. I, I think of it as Michael's vlog, quite honestly. Yeah. I, I think of Ding as as Michael's vlog. You know, when, when Ding first started and it was Dong, we were using it as a way to transition shows like Dong that people still really loved, but maybe didn't fit as well on the main channels. And this is something that we've done a bunch over the years. But, um, you know, Ding evolved from Dong to Ding into an outlet for Michael to do kind of quicker stuff. You know, the videos that he does on Vsauce 1 take literal months and months of research and formulating for him. Whereas the stuff on Ding, it can be just something that he's been thinking about for like a week and then he can make a video on. So, um, yeah, diet Vsauce 1. I like that. I think of it more like chilies. You know how they have chilies to go? Like the installations that are yeah, the, the, kind the of the airport. same food, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the content is uh, just as interesting and just as deep and all that. It's just a, that vlog, like less formal, more relaxed, quickie kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a clear distinction between what he does on Vsauce 1 with like, you know, how many holes are in the human body as opposed to something like, you know, how to build a siphon or something. So, Yeah. A good distinction. That's good. Now, Spencer asks if time travel became real and you could go anywhere theoretically, when and where would you go? Well, this is can hard. I go this to the difficult. future or do I have to go to the past? Uh, it just says time travel, so right. I have to assume that you can go forward or back. I'm going forward, man. I'm not going back. I, I do not want to go back. I cannot. No, think... not at all. No, no, no. Human history is garbage. What a terrible, what, what, <laughs> where would you go? That would be awesome. As for, other than for like one day to be like, wow, this was terrible. I think we have to assume that you could be there as long or as short as you wanted. So I think that's on the table that, you know, like I'd want to go back and see, you know, Elvis perform, that kind of thing. And then you get back in, in your time travel pod and return to to your life. Okay. If that's in play, is there, you know, so you're not stuck there is my point. Um, okay. You know, stuck there going to the hospital and they pull out, you know, a saw and like a rag to sniff. <laughs> no. Yeah. The leeches, the jar of leeches to, to balance your four humors because <laughs> you have a, a, you have a cough. Um, okay. Yeah. If it was just like specific, but still, I mean, that's not going too far back. It's like, wow, I would go to 1969 and watch Jimi Hendrix play guitar. Like, yeah, that would be cool. But mm. what would you, you only do? do it once, though? Let's uh, say it's a single use disposable time machine. I'm adding that condition. Is there one thing that stands out? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I probably would want to see Nirvana play. I can't really think of anything else. I never got to see them live. They're my favorite band. Um. In all of human history, you want to see Nirvana play? Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> like what? Watch the freaking Hindenburg blow up? Like what would you What would you do? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is really hard because there's so much to choose from. Like shocking amounts of stuff to choose from. But what I, whatever it would be, would be something that's poorly documented. That, that right now we understand through guesswork and and analysis that probably is wrong 
Um, I, it would have to be something like that where I would finally know something because I saw it with my own eyes. It definitely would be that. So when I think of something like, oh, you know, do you want to go to Woodstock? Well, look, there's a lot of footage of Woodstock. <laughs> like mm. it was an extremely well-documented thing. Mm-hmm. So I would pass personally on that. Whereas, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Hanging around with Jesus would be very cool. I'd have a primary source for uh, exactly what uh, what that was about. Um, you know, rather than testimony <laughs> that is in dispute. I didn't think about that. I'd go back in time and hang out with Jesus. I guess that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But but it's something that I otherwise would not know for absolute certain. Yeah. Um, but then having done it, I would have a perspective that I could not get elsewhere. So, like, I don't know exactly what it would be, but it would be along those lines. Yeah. Take a walk with Buddha. That's a, that's a good question. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good opportunities there. I don't know. I'm going to the future. Forget the past. Well. I want to see that's what a video big distinction games on are its like. Own. <laughs> that's for that's what I'm at. <laughs> You're basically Eric Cartman waiting for that console <laughs> in in the episode where he like freezes himself. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty accurate. I think that's what I'm into. Hey, I like what I like. It's okay. Um, well, we, there you go. Yeah, is that it? Are we done? No more questions. Oh, let let me actually pull one that didn't make it uh, to Chad. Because it, only only you can answer this one. I definitely can't. Do you wipe sitting down or standing up? Oh, my God. <laughs> there are people who wipe standing up? Did you see the meme where it's like, do you do this or this? And one is a, a person sitting down. and But the stand-up person is like bent over at a 45-degree angle, fully standing. <laughs> like their legs are totally <laughs> vertical. So which one is it? What's your strategy? Uh, definitely not. I'm not a meme. I definitely don't go out of my way to um, <laughs> make things as difficult as possible for myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I don't do that. It's crazy. Well, thank you for the question, Isaac. Now we know. Yeah. And maybe we'll have to ask Chad next time he comes on because I'm sure he'll he'll have a better answer than I, I do. Now we know he's going to do the most proper uh, like cleanliness based thing. Now that we know that he's like Miss Manners, um, yeah, there's just no I no question that, that he has like a, a solid reason behind every bit of that routine. Yeah, he has some sort of twenty four karat gold bidet that he uses that like pumps Avion water. <laughs> <laughs> That's changed uh, like three times a day. Yeah, yeah. Disinfected. He's shamed me into sheet washing, by the way. I think that's going to be... I, I felt ashamed after we, we talked to Chad, and I thought, my God, I've been like a little lizard molting and living in, in yeah, my in your my own skin. filth. Yeah, the yes. uh, the guy who drinks McDonald's cups from the gutter is <laughs> has cleaner sheets than you. <laughs> that's, that's a bit of a, an awakening, I think. <laughs> that's a wake-up call, yes. All right. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will catch you next time. See you, Space Cowboys. We'd like to thank everybody who we talk to every day in the Discord, and especially the patrons who make this show happen. 
Thanks to our editor, Marcus Allen, and to associate producers Jeff Davis, Isaac Teal, Trev's Dead, James Gallagher, Baseweight, Andrew Stimson, Keaton Sample, Jesse Robertson, Boromir, Monsieur Chinchilla, Sean Malone, Jen Mafasanti, Kevin with an E, Menard, Monahem Yogurt 96, Fraken, and our newest addition, Mikhail. Thank you for signing up, Mikhail. We love it. Also, thanks to baby wrangling super producer Ben Webster. Thanks as well to Paula Lieber and the stunningly gorgeous Mo Lewitt, and to our very generous sponsor of every episode, Eagle Brand Sardines. The Create Unknown is a production of Unknown Media. Okay, bye.